Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, January the 1st, 2024. It is currently 1028 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. The first day of a new year, and we've had a lot of interesting broadcasts today, right? We we did a broadcast where, unfortunately, we spent more time talking about the song Imagine by John Lennon than maybe we should about other things, but that's kind of just where things took us. And then, really unfortunately, we spent over an hour listening to a politically hijacked charismatic offer a so-called prophecy about 2024. That was really maddening. And it's really maddening because, I mean, there's some part, there's some part of me said I should have just kept listening, but it just, the scripture they were giving had nothing to do with the prophecy they gave. It was just maddening. It was chaos, but at least, you know, it's out there that was more informative than maybe anything else. But it's, I think, I think we've offered again, some, some variety as we kick off a new year of broadcasting, but you should know this. What is dominating this broadcast right now is a discussion about a very specific challenge, and that is the 2024 Sermons 2.0 app Sermon Challenge. Yeah, that's way too long, and I should shorten it, but it captures everything. It's 2024. It's the Sermons 2.0 app that you can download at the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. It's absolutely free. On that app, are mil- there, are, there are millions of sermons and thousands are added every single week. You could not listen to everything on that app if you dedicated 24 hours a day, seven days a week for your entire life. You still could not get through all of them. So there's this vast ocean of spiritual food right there at our fingertips. I'm trying to get you to utilize it and get the most out of it. So what are we challenging you to do each day? You grab your mobile device, phone, tablet, whatever, open up the Sermons 2.0 app and choose a sermon as random as you can possibly choose it. Just just don't start looking for church and name a speaker. Just try to just choose something as random as possible. I know you're going to look here and look there. I know, but just try to make it as random as possible so that every day it, it's a, it's most likely a new speaker. It's some topic that or scripture you may not even know what they're going to be talking about. Because you're hearing different perspectives, different voices, different theologies, different hermeneutical approaches. And that will, I think, be interesting, challenging, and beneficial, and keep you hopefully engaged throughout the year. And then I told you to buy a notebook, ladies and gentlemen. I told you to buy a notebook. Where is mine? Mine is mine is way down here. Mine is right here. Is this it? Oh, no, that's my Bible quiz. Oh, hang on. It's right here. I got to. Here it is. The Sermons 2.0 App Challenge. Here's the notebook. Once you choose your sermon, you start listening to it. You open your notebook. You write down the title of the sermon. You write down the date. You write down the name of the church. Oh, and guess what else you do? When you're done listening, you write out some kind of a summary, a sentence that kind of captures what it was about. And and that's where when you're done, when you finish 2024, hopefully your notebook is filled with a list of all the sermons you listen to. But, but most importantly, you can look at that little summary and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. 
I remember that. And that will be awesome. Hopefully, you'll have one for every single day of the week. Hopefully, you will. And then also in your notebook, you can take notes on the sermons, put a page number, and then go back to your list and put that page number right there so well, you know where to find the notes to any particular sermon. We want you writing it down. We, we want you to engage. We want you to get the most out of this. And, and as we were setting up this challenge, I kind of stumbled onto kind of an illustration. And the illustration was Native American tribes and buffaloes, right? How Native American tribes had great respect and reverence for the buffalo. And whenever they would hunt and kill, they used every single part of the buffalo. In fact, I did an entire podcast episode where I went through how, how they used every single part of the buffalo. And I, and I said that it's like a sermon. We should reverence and respect the preaching of God's word that we want to utilize every single part of a sermon. And I told you about the different major, the different parts of a sermon and that you should try to take something from each part and get something from it. So for example, today, for me, I listened to a message entitled, I think it was 058 New Year, James 414 by Bible Believers Fellowship. Now, unfortunately, it was only about a five minute devotional. What's really unfortunate is probably unintended by the person speaking, it became more about John Lennon's Imagine, which is just crazy since that was released in 1971 and we're in 2024. Like what in the world? But okay, it kind of became more about that. And in some ways he kind of proved, uh, <laughs> kind of he kind of proved the lyrics to the song in a certain way, if you really think about it. So unfortunately, since it's a, a a devotional, there I mean, it was still kind of an intro and a body, but from the intro and the body, I didn't really get much. I got more frustrated. But at the end, in his conclusion, really, he finally got to the text. The conclusion was James four, basically about how our life is a vapor. We have no guarantee that we're going to be alive tomorrow, so we need to make the most of the time that we have now. Okay, that's awesome. That's that's brilliant. Now, everything else kind of took away from that and distracted from that. So hopefully, you know, I, I, I went and grabbed my Bible. I've read the passage now a couple of times today, so I'm trying to get as much from the conclusion as I can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to not let anything get wasted from that, even though it really wasn't you know, I was a little frustrated by it, but that's irrelevant. Like sometimes you're going to like it. Sometimes you don't, but try to get the most of every, break the sermon down into different parts. Here's the introduction. Here's the body. Here's the supporting evidence. However you, I gave you all the different parts. Here's the conclusion or here's the application. Here's the summary. However you want to break it down, find something in there that you can grab onto and go, okay, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to think about this and meditate on this because we want not just, just to so get smarter. We, we definitely don't want to develop a spirit where we're just critical and criticizing. We want to be learning and want to be challenged. And another thing that I'm loving about this challenge is some of you are emailing and sharing the sermons that you're listening to and maybe one or two things that you've gotten from it. So that is really awesome. I got an email today. Now, I, I do I do appreciate their honesty. It was very, 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 they, they picked it at random. Uh, they they said there were some good things about it, but they stopped halfway because they didn't like the pastor's delivery. I do appreciate that honesty. I do. I would challenge you that whether you like the delivery or don't, whether you like it, or just li- try to listen to the whole thing. I really would challenge you to try to listen to the whole thing because it's just, it's, 
it's an experience, right? It's whether it's a good or bad. I just, I just think in a sense, each of these sermons are really kind of taking a, a, a photograph of a moment in time where you sat there and listened to the whole thing and you take away something from it, some kind of experience, good, bad. And, and, and so I really try to embrace the experience. Try to embrace it. Just imagine whenever, try to do this. I, I know maybe I'm too too good at jumping into fantasy world, but try to imagine when you open the app and you hit play that you're, you just immediately are transported to the sanctuary there. And you're there and, there, and you're, you're sitting and you can't just get up. I mean, I, I guess technically you could get up and walk out, but most people won't. You sit there and listen to the sermon. Take it all in. Take everything in. Take it all in. And then... Uh, well, when you're done, you're done. And if it, if it was that bad, just remember the name. And then, you know, maybe the next time, if you almost randomly get ready to choose one, maybe maybe then you don't listen. But I think if you choose it again randomly, I don't know. Do we do we believe in just randomness, or do we believe in divine providence? We we could get into a whole discussion there. But make the most of this. Now it's. Fast approaching 10.40 p.m. Central Time here in West Texas. And someone shared a sermon that they listened to. And they talked about the introduction. The introduction. And they said something happens around the nine-minute mark of the introduction that they thought was really interesting. I'm going to try to get there. I thought I would just start at the beginning and just, we'll just listen to the introduction and see what lessons can be learned from the introduction. We'll just, we're going to just take this segment in a sense of the, using our illustration of the buffalo and see what we can get from it. All right. Now I started listening to this. I almost grabbed this and used this for a Bible pop quiz or maybe a Bible study exercise. I had some different ways of possibly using this and the, the challenge is going to show up in all our different podcast series as we go through the year. I'm not worried about all of that right now. I'm just trying to make the most of this. So are you ready? Let's jump into this. This one is called keep yourselves in the love. Um, hang on. I'm going to look at this. It's called Keep yourselves in the love. I think it's, oh yeah, here we go. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, Grace Baptist Church. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Grace Baptist Church. Please, whenever we name these sermons, go listen to it. Go download it. Give them a download. Give them a stream. And if you like, look, this is very important. If you're using the Sermons 2.0 app, if you like the sermon, leave a comment. Please leave them out. Encouraging. If you don't like it, just be quiet and move on with your life. If you if there's anything you get from it, leave them an encouraging one, right? Leave them an encouraging one. Because when you're putting things on the internet, you don't you don't know what you're going to get. But give them the download, give them the stream. So keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, Grace Baptist Church. The speaker is Cole. I don't know how to say his last name. M-A-H-L-E. All right. And so. Yeah, definitely listen to it. But we're just going to take the introduction here because someone told me there's some good things here in the introduction and we're going to listen and we're just going to see. I don't know if I'm even going to get to the point that they thought was interesting. I'm just going to go just for a little bit and stop. Maybe we'll come back and listen to the rest. I mean, that's the thing we can do. We can we can do whatever. We can just take little segments and break them down and use them and and then turn them into our own thing. And yeah, that's that's we're just going to make this a great 2024 for this challenge. And I'm hoping... We can stay, I mean, it's only day one, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just take it hour by hour and see what happens, all right? Are you ready? Here we go.
It's a very interesting thing, preaching. I appreciate the opportunity to preach. Uh, I always do. I, I love preaching. Uh, it's, it's, I find it interesting as I, as I look at my life, what I thought I would be doing 10 years ago is not what I'm doing right now. Uh, I thought I'd be um, a music director in some school or, or something somewhere, and, which makes sense, you know, even for me, for my life personally, is I, you know, when I look at my skill set, uh, you know, I look at who I am, you know, how I'm wired, what I do, and just the way I'm wired, you know, when, I, when I'm conducting music, uh, I, I often feel like shaping music is something that physically I, I, am, I am made to do. And oftentimes I feel like when I'm conducting, not in the congregationals, but I'm working more over here, or when I've worked with different brass groups in the past, I feel that when I'm shaping music, that music is almost like an extension of my hands. I just feel it's so natural for me to do something like that. It's just in me to do something like that. I, I love it, I enjoy it, and, and, and all those things. And, but you know what? There's a, bur- there's a call, and there's a burden, and they're not always the same thing. God gives you a skill set, but he might call you to something. Okay. This is interesting. So God may give you a skill set but call you to something different. I'm thinking about that. Why would God give you a skill set that's different than what he's going to call you to do? Is he going to call you to do something that you don't have the skill to do? Or are you saying you have a skill set to do this, he's going to call you to do that, and then he's going to give you the skill? I don't know about that. What do you we say now right there? That's a good question. Do you think God calls you to what he has given you the skill to do? Or do you think God gives you skills that he doesn't call you to use? Or he calls you to a completely different way of life? If God gave it this man this great skill, this great passion for conducting and shaping music. And then God's like, no, okay, I gave you that skill. I gave you that desire. But in reality, I want you to go over here and I want you to do something completely different than the skill. I gave you a skill different than the call. Now you could argue, maybe he gave you the skill and the desire, I guess in, our, in order to then, I hate, I hate the word test, but to see, for you to see in yourself, if you're willing to give up your skill and your passion to do that which you feel God is calling you to do. But a lot of times we would say the way you know God is calling you to do something is because he's giving you a burden and a skill for it, right? I mean, that's, so I don't, that, that's, that gets really confusing to me because I mean, I, 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 you've, I know, at least I've heard, if you're really called to preach, you're going to have this burden for it. You're gonna, it's going to be, you can't see yourself doing anything else. And clearly at some point, it's going to become obvious. You've got an ability and a skill to do it. You have this passion and desire to study. You have this passion and desire to, to proclaim what you are studying. But if God actually gives you a skill and a desire for something other than he calls you, then I don't know how you test to know if rather you were really called. That seems a little confusing to me. That's an interesting perspective. I've never heard this perspective that you get a skill and a desire, but God may call you the opposite direction. That's a little different for me. Now, or did I misunderstand him? Let's continue listening, see if he clarifies this completely different. You know, God has given me a skill set for music. My core foundational thing about me is not a musician. 
The core thing about me is that I am a preacher. It's not because I'm wired that way. It's because God made me that. God made me a preacher. That's the first thing about me. No, he's, he's saying you're different. Like you're, you're wired this way, but then God calls you to something different. He calls you that uh, to something different than you're wired for. Now, if someone was asking me, if someone was asking me, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I feel called to preach. And I would like, do you desire it? If you don't desire it with everything in your being, then don't do it. But if you're, if your passion and your desire and you're wired for music, then what? I don't know. Now, I love music. I love, 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 love music. So I have, I, I, I have struggled in this way, but I don't have any talents in that. Like, I don't have any talents as far as making music. Can't sing. I've played instruments, but I, I, I would never, have, I, I don't know if I would have pursued it a little further, if I would have, if how well I could have become, I don't know. I didn't pursue it enough. Now, I love to, to, put music together. And like, so there is some part that I could have seen myself going in that direction. But then once I became a Christian, I still loved music, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue, I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach like that, 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 that kind of dominated. So I don't know. Oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. Let's keep listening. Likewise with you, no matter what your skill set is, the first thing about you is that you're a Christian. No matter who you are, what you do, whatever it is that you're good at, you're a Christian first. Okay, we have, to be th- we have to be mindful of those things. But all of that to get you to Jude chapter 1, verse 20. You would stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's word. I will not read responsively. I will read out loud. You can read silently to yourselves. Now, that's interesting. So was that the introduction? So was that the introduction? Or was that a pre-introduction? Or was that kind of an icebreaker? I, I don't know. So let's go to, he's going to go to Jude 1.20. And Jude 1.20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So I don't know if that's an introduction. I don't know what that is, but now he's going to go to the scripture reading. So maybe we're going to get lessons from, is he going to do a, a introduction, then the scripture reading, then another introduction? Is this going to have two introductions or, or do we call the first one an icebreaker, then scripture reading, then the introduction? You, Hey, you break it down however you think it should be shaped. Let's at least, we'll let this go a little bit further. We'll, we'll go a little bit further here. Or uh, loudly to yourselves. I don't, you know, yeah, second thought, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. We're going to be Jude chapter 1, verse 20. I'll read out loud. Uh, you read silently to yourselves. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some having comp- and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating 
even the garment spotted by the flesh. So that's what we'll read this morning so far. We're going to be turning in several other places, so please have your Bibles ready for that. Uh, But that is the scripture. We're in the book of Jude. Uh, The lesson, I'll draw your attention to verse 21 where it says this, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The title of the lesson is this, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this this morning. Lord, we have a pretty full house this morning. We've got kids in the back. We've got people. seems like everyone's in their spot. Everyone's where they need to be. Uh, Lord, but Father, I pray that you would help. I pray that you would come and work. Lord, nothing that we do here matters without you coming in and and working through me, working through the the congregation. Lord, I pray that you would have the preeminence in this service. Lord, I don't want my voice to be the thing that they remember. I want your word to be the thing that they remember. Lord, I pray to the extent that what I say is biblical is the same extent that our congregation is obedient to it. Father, I pray that you'd help us focus our minds on the word of God this morning. Focus our hearts on being open and willing to change in likeness to you. And Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. And you may be seated. Now, this to me is where the introduction is going to come. So the first part, I'm just going to call that an icebreaker. Then the scripture reading. Now, you can take something from that scripture reading, right? I mean, you have, I'm assuming if you read Jude 1, 21, you have an immediate question to ask, right? It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And the obvious question is, how does one keep themselves in the love of God? What does it mean? Well, first, I guess you have two questions. How do you keep yourself? And what does it mean to keep yourself in the love of God? God loves me. How do I keep myself in it? Right? I mean... I've got questions. So, so immediately you are, we could just take just, so just a scripture reading. I don't even need anything else. I've got work. I've got, I've got work I could do right here. I mean, I mean, I've, I've got questions, right? So maybe, maybe we'll have to do some work on that on our own or look up other sermons uh, on Jude one twenty one and see what, how many different explanations we can find on how do we keep ourselves and what does it mean to keep ourselves in the love of God? Now, let, let's see, let's see if we can get a little bit further in this. It is okay. That was the drinking water part of a sermon. Okay, that was the drinking water part of a sermon. All right, and he obviously has a glass. I usually have a Dasani water bottle. Okay, and they're everywhere. They're ev- underneath the pulpit. There are like thirty of them, and I end up leaving them all over the place. And I, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, I make a mess. Or, okay, wh- whatever. But that's the drinking water part. Now, I, I, this has to be an introduction. This has to be the introduction. That's my understanding of how it's typically structured. Let's see what happens. A good thing for a Christian to have goals. That's a good thing. Okay, it's a good thing for Christians to have goals. Now, is this is that the thesis statement? Is that is this going to be about goal keeping? 
And one of our goals should be to keep ourselves in the love of God. And he's going to say, our goal should be to keep ourselves in the love of God. And this is what that means. And this is how that is done. Is that how this is going to be structured? Right. Is that the thesis statement? Now, look, I, I, this is not criticism. This is me trying to take a sermon apart, not to criticize, but to try to get, I'm going to use every part of the buffalo, all right? So let, let's continue. Each year, we should aspire to be better than we were the year before. A real you versus you mentality. I like that. I think we should be aggressive about our growth. A you versus you mentality. That you should be better this year than you were last year. I do understand that. Are we ever truly better? I guess we can be better externally. Maybe we could be better internally. Okay, that we could get into, we could get into a lot of discussion here. All right, so he's kind of, he's posing some questions. I don't know if any of these one is the, the thesis statement yet. Maybe it's about, to, maybe he's about to offer it. I don't understand these people that they just kind of coast through life. I've, I've heard a quote and I, I believe it firmly about a lot of people. You know, some people, they die at 25, but they're not buried until 75. It's a waste of a life. No, every year you ought to be pushing, pushing and pressing to move forward and achieve something. Hmm. So some people die at 25, but they're not buried until 60 or 70. It's a waste of life. You should constantly be pushing and pressing. Okay. All right. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just taking that in, taking that in. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see where this goes. It's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out kind of exactly what the thesis is here. And if you're going to achieve anything, you should achieve something predominantly in your Christian life. Amen. That's like I said, it's the most foundational part of who you are if you believe in Jesus Christ. All right, now I'm going to stop right there. So if you're going to achieve anything in life, predominantly it should be in your Christian life. Now, I, it would be interesting. Like, that preach is so good. But what would that, and, and we brought this up on Sunday at Victory Baptist Church when we were talking about love, not the world, from the, from using the lectionary reading from 1 John. And I, and I asked a lot of questions. I didn't have any good answers. But so many times we preach things that sound so good and everyone says amen, but no one, everyone walks out the building and no one has any intention at all of really making that actually a reality. Because what, what would your life look like if it was hey, the thing that you achieve, the most important thing you should achieve should be in your Christian life. Well, let's say you pursued and you've got a master's or a doctorate's degree and whatever specialty of, or whatever area of, you know, your, your, your employment or your career, maybe it's medicine, you have a doctorate's and, 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 and you, whatever the case may be, it could be in psychology, it could be in physical therapy, what whatever, criminal justice, business. I mean, that's a massive achievement to get a doctorate. Now, 
if you don't have a degree of anything like that in biblical theological studies, then would you say your greatest achievement would... Now, you can say, well, no, my greatest achievement is in my Christian life, but based off what, how would you measure that your success in your Christian life it out, outweighs or is greater than your success in all the other areas? If you, if you have a job and you work 20 years and you retire and you paid your taxes every year and you have a home and you have a family, would that not be your greatest success? You say, well, no, that's my Christian life. Like, I don't know how, that, 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 that sound, that preaches good. Hey, the thing that should define, like your greatest success in life should be your Christian life. Well, then that should mean that you should just dedicate your life to Christianity. Monastery? I don't know. Just just work as little as possible to just have your base, basic needs met and then sit around listening to sermons, praying for people, trying to minister to people, being involved in serving and helping your church. I don't know. I don't know how I measure that. All right, let's see where this goes. You are first a Christian, then you are whatever else you are. But first, you are a Christian. Okay, now he still. I don't still don't know what the thesis is, but this is very much what you do. You do. You do. So obviously, to keep yourself in the love of God, it seems that the direction he's headed is: Hey, if you're going to keep yourself in the love of God, boom, you're a Christian first. That's what you focus on. That's what you succeed in. That's your number one priority, and that's how you keep yourself in the love of God. Well, if I got to keep myself in the love of God based on my own work and my own effort and my own, I don't. Am I going to keep myself in the love? Of, well, what does that mean? I got questions. I got questions, but. Let's see where this is going to go. A new year helps us to refocus in this area. It's also good to have an, an overarching goal that presides over your smaller goals. It serves both as a funnel to focus your activity and a filter to remove activity that keeps you from accomplishing your goals. It also helps you to be accountable to yourself as you pursue excellence. I think about this. There's a, I, I, I'm working with a new company, and I, can, I, I feel comfortable stating who they are now for several reasons, um, for the first time in, in several years. Uh, the company is called GRS Recruiting. Basically, what we do there, <coughs> excuse me, basically, what we do there is um, it's uh, headhunting, it's, it's, it's a staffing industry uh, for industrial sales professionals. I recently made a change to that uh, because. They just it, it gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. I had to jump at it. It was it was a great offer, and it's it's so far it's been a good company. Much more conservative minded. Um, the owners are Christian. Went to their concert at uh, their church a couple of weeks ago. That's very refreshing because if you know anything about sales, not quite the Christian environment you'd hope for. Okay, so your greatest success should be in your Christian life. But he, even though he's preaching, it doesn't appear, unless he's bivocational, it, I, maybe he's not a pastor, maybe he's just preaching. But if, wouldn't then, he, instead of pursuing a job and an offer you can't refuse, why wouldn't he be pursuing preaching and teaching? Like, I don't, see, you see where it gets kind of iffy there? Hey, your greatest success should be in your Christian life. And then immediately he starts talking about his job. And, well, it sounds like he got a great offer and he's in a great position. 
I, how do you, I don't know how you, how you measure this. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. And I'm only giving you this example, not because it, 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 it makes me godly because I'm not, I'm, I'm a sinner in a million different ways, but I'll give you an example. I was in the United States military, the Air Force to be exact. Now in the United States military, the Air Force specifically speaking, if you want to make rank, well, you take these tests and you've got, and you've got a, it's kind of, it's general knowledge about the military and then general knowledge about your specific career field, right? And you get these books, you have to study and you got to pass these tests. And what goes along with that is your job performance, right? You have to, you, that you get a, a score for your job performance, which then goes into points for your testing and all this works. And if you test, you get the new rank, you get promoted, right? And you get promoted. Now for me, I knew that with more advancement in my military career would come more responsibility, would come more demands upon my time. And I knew this, that my focus was not on making master sergeant, senior master sergeant, chief, or to become an officer. None of my goals were military. My goal, my, my, my goal in the military was to do my job right, taking care, because when I was, at least when I was in the medical world, to take care of the patients, to ensure that they were treated correctly and, and right. And I got the best me medicine and they were treated in a humane and correct way, right? Trying to do my very best. That I cared about that. But other than that, the military was a job in order to pay my bills and most importantly, to give me money so that I could go to school. And what did I do? I went to school and I got this degree and this degree and this degree. And none of them had anything to do with the military because I wanted theological education, because I wanted to preach and I wanted to teach, right? And so guess what I did? In many cases, I tried to sabotage myself from passing the test. So I would go in, not read any of the questions and just fill it, you know, you, you, just the little dots, you know, you had to fill in the circle. And I would just like, duh, 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 duh. and well, that didn't work. I, I, even though I didn't read any of the questions, I filled in the blanks. I still passed the, I, I made enough, I scored enough points to become a staff sergeant. Then I scored enough points to become a, a tech sergeant. And I was like, this is crazy. I can't keep passing these tests. I'm trying to fail them, people. I'm trying to fail the test, right? Well, then when it got time for master sergeant, I was like, I'm like, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. Not going to do it. Because I knew then my, that my everything would be out, out of whack. So I declined the test. Now, my career was coming to an end. I won't go through the whole story. But now, now sometimes I look back, I'm like, I was an idiot. I was an idiot. I should have made master. Because now my retirement would be so much more and I would be, I would be in a great place financially. Like if I would have done that, I would have been in such a great place financially. But I sacrificed for the church, I sacrificed for ministry, I sacrificed for broadcasting. Right? Because I was doing a, a podcast before it was called a podcast hour after hour. And I was bivocational at a church. I did it all to sacrifice everything for that. Now, I wish in some ways, I hate to say it, I'm going to be fleshly. I wish I wouldn't have sacrificed. I wish I would, I would have just said, I'm going to put money before all of this because it would, I would have been, I would have been in a better place now, but I did not do that. Now, that to me was my success. I was not looking for success and promotion in the military. I was looking for advancement and ministry, ministry opportunities and to be as successful in ministry as I could be. Now, I'm not saying I'm doing that because I was godly. Because I, because I, I, I commit, I still was having, you know, I, I committed, I'm still sinning like I still do today. So the, so the point is though, would, is that how it would look though? 
If your greatest success is supposed to be your Christian life, then how, what do you do with all these other areas of your life? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer there. I don't know the answer. Now, I'm assuming the whole point of this sermon is to give us an answer to that. Let's, let's just go a little bit further. Um, but in, in there, it seems to be. So very good fit for me on a, on a personal level. I think the Lord led me there. I'm very happy about that. Uh, but anyway, so we do headhunting for industrial salespeople and executive teams and executive sales leaders. So that's, that's predominantly what we do. I'm a, I'm a recruiter uh, for them. That's, that's what I do. I've been in staffing for a year overall. I've been in sales for um, more than a decade now. So that's, that's kind of my career trajectory. But anyway, so here... Okay, so it's kind of like we have an introduction, or I guess an icebreaker. Now we get the scripture reading, and now we're getting kind of an introduction. Well, we, I, it feels like two, well, maybe this is going to fit in, because we had kind of an introduction about the questions about, you know, what's important in your life. You're a Christian first. Now he's going to his job. I'm assuming he's going to tie this all back in, and then we'll get a thesis statement, and then we'll, we'll, we'll flow into the major points, I'm assuming. I, 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 let's just see what else he does here. Uh, we recently did this thing called a retreat where we went, we went to downtown Cleveland, had rented out a really nice conference room, and there was one goal to this retreat, okay? It was an all-day thing. We have several teams that are there, and here was the goal. Number one for me is drink coffee, okay? They always have the best coffee at these places. It's wonderful. They've got the cappuccino machines. I don't have to pay $5. Uh, so I run in there, and I'm getting those things all day. By the end of the day, I'm... You know, that's goal number one for me. But goal number two, the, the more important one, <laughs> was um, we were there to present as a team, as different teams within the bigger team, our goals for the 2024 year. Now, these are financial goals. These are business goals. So just like this, we have a projector. It's much like this, I'm up here, I'm, we're talking. I, we have our goals put on the screens and not just presenting them, but the owner of the company is there. We're going to talk about how we're going to make it happen. Okay, so it's, it's a, it, was a, it was a great time. And walking through how we're going to accomplish these goals, spoke to why the goals are important to us, and all those things. We had pictures of our families up there and, and what our why was and, and all this stuff. It's, it's a very good thing because it holds us accountable. Uh, it, it, it gives the team... It, it, just, it builds team camaraderie. If you're doing it, you can do this in a real smarmy, salesy type of way where it's real weird, but if you do it right, it's a really good bonding tool. So I think about that when I think about this, but as Christians, we're not a sales organization. We're not a business. This church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living body, a body of Christ, a local, independent, fundamental, Baptist body of Christ. Autonomous. That is what we are. We are not a business. We are not just a building. We're an organism, a body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I yet understand the thesis here. Right now, it seems he's kind of talking about the the nature and the attributes of a church. I, okay, 
I'm still waiting to kind of figure out exactly where this is going. But I'm I'm trying to take some of this in because I'm struggling more with this concept. Okay, if God is first and my greatest success should be in that, you see how sometimes in an introduction you can, or in any part of a sermon, you can grab onto one part and you may even forget the other parts, which sometimes can be negative. But but in this case, I'm preoccupied with if I'm pursuing that my greatest success is in my Christianity, I don't know how that impacts every other area of my life. Because you would think at other point, well, why continue to pursue these other things? I'm just going to pursue that. But you have to pursue these other things. But don't you want some success? But then you got to make sure it's not your, your greater success is not. I don't even know how you live this out, but okay. But now, all right, he's, talk, he's talking about goals. Now he's talking about the church. So I guess he's, what he's going to contrast is that the goals in business are different than the goals of the church. And that one of the goals of the church is to keep yourself in the love of God. And then he's going to tell me how we do that. And he's going to tell me what it means. I th- I'm assuming that's where this is going. If the business world is serious about their goals, why are we not about ours? As Christians, our ultimate reason for being, it's to glorify God. Now, there's all kinds of ways to accomplish this. The Bible is, it's a big book. If you're new to it, it can be intimidating to read. Really, there's like 30 or 40 things that that God talks about and just attacks them over and over again in different ways. That's basically how the Bible is. But Now, that's interesting. And this is what someone pointed out. That This is what they grabbed onto in the introduction. The Bible's a big book, but reality is just basically 30 or 40 topics that are just talked about over and over and over and over and over again. Now, that would be fascinating if we could work on trying to come up, what are, what are those 30 or 40 topics? And is there any agreement on those 30 or 40 topics? Well, no, I know. Put it this way. One of those topics would have to be salvation, and there is no agreement in the body of Christ on salvation. You can say all day there is, but there isn't. There's Calvinism, there's Arminianism, you've got Pelagianism, you've got Augustinianism, if you want to go that direction. You've got Calvinism, you've got lose your salvation. No, you don't lose your salvation. You've got lordship, you've got non-lordship. There is literally no agreement on it. You've got sacramentalism, where you, you that sacraments are, are, you know, you baptize a baby at eight days old, like a Lutheran, and boom, magic Christian. There you go. You've got, you, you, I mean, there's so many different aspects pertaining to salvation. There is no agreement. So even if there's only 30 or 40 things, which would be great if we could reduce the Bible to 30 or 40 things and that God just attacks these over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and then we could clearly come to some unity on those 30 to 40 things, wouldn't that be amazing? I don't know if I agree. I don't know. That's an awesome concept. I would have to really think about it, but maybe in some ways the Bible is only a book made up of 30 or 40 concepts, and it's just attacked on over and over again, and we can't even, as Christians, come to an agreement on 30 to 40 topics. That's pretty depressing then. I don't know. It's encouraging because you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's break it down to 30 to 40 points. We can all agree on these, and then we've got peace, harmony, and unity. Great, but we well, we can't. I'm going to let him go just a little further to see if if we if we get something here, if if I get some idea where he's going, there's there's all kinds of different things you can do to accomplish glorifying God. But you know, here's one way, and here's something: if you don't have a focus for 2024, maybe this could be your focus for 2024. I know I'm going to make it mine. Here's one way. 
You can focus on keeping yourself in the love of God. Okay, so ultimately he does get there. It takes a a, a kind of a long and winding road, and there's nothing wrong with that. Kind of a a long and winding road, threw in a little personal story, but it's all about goals and pursuing goals, pursuing success. And what he's saying is what your focus should be is keep yourself in the love of God. And I say, amen, amen. Now, what we would need to know in this sermon then is what does that mean? How do we do it? What exactly does it mean to keep yourself in the love of God? And how do we accomplish that? Do we have clear biblical instruction or a biblical explanation to what it is? And do we have clear biblical instruction to how we do it? We'll just listen to just a little bit more here. In 2024. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God anyway. But it's a good focus to have as we enter a new year. Now, when we look at the book of Jude, we see this expressed clearly. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. I took the title right from the scripture. So we're, if you're obedient in the Lord to your church attendance, you know that we are studying Jude in adult Sunday school class. In this epistle, Jude is telling Christians about apostates so they can be marked and avoided. He does this for several verses, of which we've been studying in much depth over the last few months. I'm not going to rehash. It's recorded. You should be here. Just make sure that you're uh, obedient to the Lord in your attendance. You won't miss these things. So I'm, I'm not going to rehash all of that. But in verse 20, we find Jude. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to stop. First, what I'm going to do is tell you to go look up that sermon. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Grace Baptist Church. Please go listen and please go download. And you can kind of fast forward to about 10, 12 minute mark, I think is about where we stop there. And then you can listen to the rest and you can try to answer those questions. All right. Go, please go listen to it. Please, please, please. All right. But I, I just did a, a quick, and, and this, I literally pulled up the uh, AI chat box and I asked the uh, chat box, Hey, basically, how do I do that? This is what AI says. In Jude 121, the author encourages believers to keep themselves in the love of God. This phrase implies that believers have a responsibility to actively maintain their relationship with God and to live in a way that honors his love and commands. So what they, so the AI chat box, or chatbot, they, it seems to go with the idea that, hey, to keep yourself in the love of God means to keep your relationship, to keep your relationship with God strong and passionate and, and zeal and, and fervent, that, that's what you're trying to do. To keep yourself in the love of God means to stay connected to God's love and to live accordingly to his will. See, now that already gets me in trouble, though, because I never I never truly live according to his will. So once again, if, if, to, to stay to, connected to God's love is for me to live according to his will, then I don't know if I ever keep myself in God's love because I never completely obey his will. I do so in Christ, but not in practice, and neither do you. It involves cultivating a personal relationship with God. Through prayer, reading, studying scripture, participating in worship and fellowship with others, believers and seeking to follow his commands. So it's, it goes back to the basic thing. You want to keep yourself in the, in, in the love of God, read your Bible, study your Bible, go to church, pray. Okay. All those, I mean, you're told that in everything in Christianity, do these things, do these things, do these things. Um, it involves guarding against sin and worldly influence. Okay. So the, the basic concept is there again. 
All right. Um, in essence, keeping yourself in the love of God is a call to prioritize and nurture our relationship with God. So once again, it comes back to pri- prioritize. You got to prioritize. You got to put God first. 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 Now, is there any other understanding in how we keep ourselves in the love of God? I think I keep myself in the love of God. And I'm just going to throw this theory out. By one, completely acknowledging my sin, my own failure, and bringing it to God and clinging to Christ and his forgiveness by faith. But I don't know. But I want you to think about that. So that introduction gives us some things to think about. Do you think God gives you skills and desires, but then calls you to do the opposite? How do you think that works? Is your greatest success supposed to be in your Christian life? And if so, how does that work within the other areas of your life? And is that even ever actually so? And then what does it actually mean to keep yourself in the love of God? And how does one do it? Because this seems it just turns into, well, how do you do it? It's how you do everything else in your Christian life. You put God first, you read your Bible, you study, you do all. And again, it seems that it would be calling a life that would basically look like a a living in a, a, a monastery living like a monastic life. And we don't do that. So then does anyone ever actually accomplish all these things that we're talk- constantly told to do? Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. What does that mean? You you pray, you read your Bible, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Well, once again, do we? is that really the priority? This, this These kind of 2020 are this kind of end of year, new year sermons Always kind of say, hey, this is what you're supposed to achieve. And, th- and these are all the things you're supposed to do. And I think everyone says, amen, I'm going to, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it's always described that it must be so far the priority that everything else pales in comparison. But you know, one weekend, two weeks in, a month in, guess what? Start, you know where your priorities begin. You know where your time, your focus, your energy and your money goes. So then do we ever accomplish it? I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue it, but we have to have a more realistic understanding of what we actually do. And and I don't, I don't, I don't know. But there you have it. Go listen to the sermon. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Again, the name of the church is Grace Baptist Church. Look for it on the Sermons 2.0 app. Please download it. Please download it. All right. I just did a refresh. You have not downloaded it, right? I'm looking. It's only had 11 plays and 11 streams. It's all That's all it's had. Come on. let's. Get, we can get it up there to 100, okay? Come on, guys. All right, so download it. Stream it. All right, listen to it. Um, and you can tell me. And if you do listen, tell me what his conclusion was. Email it to me at newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night. January the 1st, 2024. It's coming to an end. Tomorrow starts January the 2nd. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how we're already down one day in a new year? Do you see how quickly it came and it went? Just like that. Pretty soon we'll start even worrying about that it's a new year. We're going to already move on. I mean, by next week... You're not even going to really remember or even feel that it's a new year. It's just going to be like, maybe if you have to write the date down, other than that, you've already moved on. And that's just by February, 
We're already moving. We're, we're moving on to, to new holidays, right? Love will be in the air because February 14th will be around. the. Yeah, you, you get the idea. All right. Everyone have a great night. God bless.